Thanks, Paxton. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> if you're newer, yeah, you can take your shoes, especially the old ones. Um, uh, anyway, uh, if you're new, I'm Nick Gibson. I'm senior pastor here at High Point. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, Mike Beresford, who was just referred to as the oldest man alive, uh, he had back surgery, another one, here recently, and he's in the like acute recovery phase, so I'll pray for him when I say what I'm going to say right now, um, but pray for him over the next few weeks. He's, he's going through it again. Um, I'm really thankful to be here at this. At, I, I'm thankful to belong to Jesus. I'm thankful to be part of his universal church, but I'm really thankful to be part of this local church. I'm going to give you three reasons right now as I introduce who's going to speak. The first is just giving. Um, this church, uh, I've, I've wanted to lead a church that, that passionately feels and cares about Jesus and is disciplined and has grown in virtue and the capability to do the right thing for the right reason at the right time. And to be both of those things, to have a real heart and a real spine as a human being is hard to develop and to be a community because we're all different from each other. Um, but uh, one of the things that we, we do really well together is we give generously together. And so the year in gift, the goal was $67,000. We received 83, five. And so I'm just really thankful that we're gonna be able to bless people outside of our church. And I can't wait to call um, Godfrey later, tell him. Um, how we're going to be able to bless them. This, the second thing is um, just there's a lot of churches, and listen, I'm not dumping on churches that didn't have worship on Christmas morning and today, um, but I appreciate every one of you and everybody who's watching online too who wanted to be with Christ's people on the Lord's Day to worship Him and recognize that Christmas is actually a Christian holiday and it's okay to go to church on it. And, um, and on the giving of a new year, when we get to celebrate that the oldest past and the newest come on New Year's Day, that it's a good time to come and worship. We just have it a little bit later in the day. Maybe next time we'll do it at 3 p.m. Okay, and then lastly, um, one of the things we believe strongly at this church is, is that it is not just the most charismatic people or the religious experts that can speak to us from God's word and through whom we can hear what God is saying to us and we can receive the message of the Holy Spirit in our lives. At High Point Church, we have a congregational polity. We have elders and leaders in our church who are among the laity. That is, they're not like technically, theologically educated. They are people who follow Jesus for years and years. Usually they're old because they have a lot of experience and we revere experience. We revere people who have lived decades in the service of Jesus and have learned something from it and for it and that help other people. And we believe that, like it says in Leviticus, you should rise in the presence of white hair and we don't worship youth. Youth is great, okay, but we don't worship youth. We are churches for each generation to every generation so that we can love each other. Does that make sense? And so um, this morning, I've invited two of our elders who you elected to be your pastors to come and speak to you and preach to you. They're not going to preach for very long. Um, but I wanted our elders, a couple of our like non-pastor, like have an office people pastors, to preach to you and for you to hear the word of God from our elders. And what I want to encourage you is to listen attentively for God to re-speak his word, remediated through their experience and personality for you to receive it. Does that make sense? Let's pray together. Lord, as we take this time to receive from these two elders, Paul Young and Steve Schmidt, uh, I pray that you would use what they have put together and put forward for us to receive it. I pray that we, you would help us to put aside any expectations we have um, and to simply listen for your word to be respoken through these men who have served you a long way in the same direction and that we can receive from. We pray that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Hopefully I'm on. Yeah, okay, good. I'm one of the white-haired people. <laughs> As one of your Christian fossils, I'd like to address you today. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and the pterodactyl, you know? Okay, great. Well, first of all, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Because uh, I need it as much as you do right about now. All right. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the privilege of addressing your people today. And I think it's great that it's Sunday and it's the first of the year. Thank you, Lord. The first thing we get to do on the first morning of the first day of the year is come to you. That's great. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer and the strength and the redeemer of every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And I'm going to hold this up because I'm wearing bifocals and they've got a focal length of about 12 inches. So, all right. So we're going to read today Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This is my sister's favorite verse. That's how I got saved as my sister. So it's cool. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. Amen. What I'm going to do today is give you everything I'm going to tell you right now so you don't have to take notes. And if you hear, remember this, you remembered basically what I told you. Ready? Okay, we're going to do a little thing. It's kind of like God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. All right. It's going to, I'm going to say the Lord is near. How near? Right here. So you're going to do it with me. You ready? The Lord is near. How near? Right here. You got to do the hand motions. So let's do it again. Okay. The Lord is near. How near? Right here. Great. You now know the basic text of everything I'm going to tell you today. All right. In this passage, we've got three commands, a promise, and a truth. The commands are these. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be known to all. And do not be anxious about anything, but pray instead about everything with thanksgiving. And the promise is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The truth is those four little words, the Lord is near. Okay, we're going to do it again. I'm going to make you learn this. The Lord is near. How near? Right here. Great. We're going to get that down. Okay. All right. How many of you find those three commands hard to do sometimes? Do you rejoice all the time? How about some of the time? How about once in a while? <laughs> yep, some days rejoicing is a long way off. What about gentleness? Are you always kind? Does everybody know that you're kind? What's another way to say that something is known to all? How about famous? Are you famous for your gentleness and your kindness? And the last one, well, that takes the cake, doesn't it? We live in a world dominated by fear and worry. We're scared to death these days. If I were to ask you if you ever struggle with worry or anxiety, I'd get the same answer that I'd give if you asked me. Absolutely. However, these aren't the three suggestions. They're three commands from God through the Apostle Paul to us. And the good news is they come with a promise that the peace of God is going to surround us like castle walls, even to the point that it's going to be unexplainable in human terms. And better yet, he's going to give us the means to pull it off. The Lord is near. Back to those four little, those four little words. I think they're probably the most wonderful words in the whole passage and probably some of the most beautiful I've ever heard in my life. 
You see, the Bible makes it clear that our God isn't just a million miles away on a throne in heaven. He's with us. You know, that word near, it means at hand. And Jesus' return to reign is sure. You can bet the farm on it and take it to the bank and act accordingly. You see, our obedience is rooted in that hope. I'm going to say that again for you. Our obedience is rooted in that hope. But there's more to it than just that. Matthew's gospel gives Jesus the name Emmanuel, God with us. You know, Jesus in John 14 said that even though he was going back to his father, he would not leave us as orphans. He said that if we loved him, keeping his commands, that he'd send the Holy Spirit to live in us. Paul reminds us over and over in Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Ephesians that if we claim Christ is our Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit lives inside us. He's called a down payment and a guarantee. In fact, in Romans, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit inside of us is an essential part of who we are in Christ. You can't belong to Christ without the Holy Spirit living in you. So what's that got to do with keeping three commands? Everything. God tells us that he never gives us anything to do that he doesn't equip us and empower us to do. Rejoicing only becomes possible when Jesus is our joy. Is Jesus your joy today? Remember the guy that wrote that was in jail when he wrote that letter, okay? I know I forget Jesus all the time and that is usually when my joy starts to slide. If we turn to him in gratitude and thanks, that joy follows. Try thanking him for all the good things he's given you. Count your blessings, A through Z. I know that that sounds trite. That sounds like one of those old songs, you know. Count your blessing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Start at the beginning of the alphabet and work down. I know it's hokey. Start with Boston baked beans and end with zebra, okay? But thank God. And by the end of it, you'll find that there was enough to be thankful for to have joy. Hey, is your gentleness a struggle? Is your kindness anything but legendary? Seek Christ in your heart and pray, and he'll make you as kind as he was. I have some friends who have a motto up in their house, live to make God famous. And it's interesting because they work in inland Canada where it's 40 below and the people's hearts are as hard as the ground. And they've been there for 15 years and it's because they love the kindness that God has already shown them. So remember his goodness towards you and dwell on it and let that restore your overdrawn mercy checkbook when you have to write a check to pay a debtor that someone's done against you. And the last one, there's the big one, worry. Remember that worry and fear by itself isn't necessarily sin. Jesus, was, Jesus wasn't, was afraid in the Garden of Gethsemane and with good reason. He had a tidal wave of suffering bearing down on him. Friends, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's the willingness to do what is right despite fear. Jesus living in us can give us that courage. And how do you find it? Same way Jesus did in the Garden. He got down on his knees, sought out his Father. That's what this verse tells us to do and that's what you need to do when that tidal wave is coming your way. When they load your spouse in the ambulance, when you've lost your job, when you don't know where to turn, he's there. You know, there's good news. Actually, there's great news. He's with us and he's with us still. He knows you're sweating it out because he sweat blood to save you. He's not going anywhere. He will hear you and he will pull you through. All you have to do is turn to him. Scared, empty, out of gas, doesn't matter. No matter where you are, how much of a face plant you've just done, God's word promises us he's with us still. So when your joy is misplaced and you can't find it, give thanks. When your gentleness isn't so famous, remember his kindnesses to you. And when worry is flooding your soul, encourage is a long way off. Let Jesus pray with you.
Turn to the one who's been there and is with you still. Pray, seek his face. He is as close as your heartbeat and quite literally put himself on your cross to save you. He wants you to ask him, the one who suffered it all for you, who knows fear better than us all, he'll hold you up. Okay, y'all ready? The Lord is near. How near? He's right here. That's where you got to put your trust, amen? All right. The Lord is near. How near? Right Right here. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that word this morning. So, I'm Stephen. I'm also one of the elders here, as you've heard. And uh, I appreciate Nick letting us talk to you this morning. If uh, you'll turn a couple pages back, if you were reading along with Paul in Philippians 4, turn back a couple pages to uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Thank you. So, to set the stage again, here we have Paul. He's uh, in prison in Rome, and he's writing to his friends in the church in Philippi. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. But what does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and your truth. In the next few minutes, will you please make your word clear to us and grant us the encouragement and spiritual nourishment we so desperately need. To the glory of your name and the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I chose this passage because I often skip past it on the way to the meatier, more memorizable passages in Philippians. It's like it's a setup to all the really good stuff that comes in Philippians 3, 4, and 5. But as Nick was preaching through this chapter uh, a few months ago, I saw something that I had missed in, in uh, all my many times I'd read it. What I'd missed was God's providence at work in this very moment in Scripture. Here we are with Paul. For so long, he's wanted to bring the gospel to Rome, right? That was his big idea. And here he is at last, at the center of the immense and powerful Roman Empire. But it's probably not how he imagined it was going to be. Do you remember how he got here? It's told in this, it, the story's told in Acts, where Paul is the cause of a riot in Jerusalem. He gets arrested. He's hauled all over Israel until he's finally tried in front of the government. He has to appeal to Caesar as a citizen. He's put on a ship to Rome, which ends up getting shipwrecked. Finally, he ends up in Rome, and they throw him in prison. So I would say that's probably not the way he thought his prayer was going to be answered. And it all seems very coincidental, doesn't it? Coincidental that there's a riot, that he'd shaved his head and taken vows, or that he was shipwrecked, or that he actually made it to Rome as a prisoner. Very, very coincidental. Now, here he's in prison, but he's allowed to have visitors, and some of those are from the church at Philippi. That's why we have the letter, right? Paul's allowed to preach and tell the people around him about Jesus, and even tells to the prison guards. But these aren't just any prison guards. These are the guards of the imperial household. These are Caesar's 
household guards. So the gospel's being spread, quite coincidentally, by Paul's imprisonment. Now, his imprisonment has made other believers proclaim the gospel with boldness where, they're pre- where, they, where they were previously afraid. That's a pretty amazing coincidence, right? They were afraid, now he's in chains, and they're like, woo, let's go preach. Some of those very same people who are boldly sharing the gospel are doing so in a way that essentially stabs Paul in the back. They're preaching to make Paul look bad and make themselves look good. Yet, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached, so it's all to the good and to the glory of Jesus. In the Bible, and I mean all through the Bible, we see God do this type of thing. He makes his will come to pass through what appears to be coincidence. But is it coincidence? No, it's providence. It's what we call providence. What is providence? Providence, to put it very simply, I think I moved that forward. Oh, there we go. Back it up. There we go. You take it. There we go. Providence, to put it very simply, God will provide. One of the best examples of providence is found in Genesis 22. I'm not going to give you any spoilers if you're not familiar with it, but story of Abraham. God tells him to go somewhere and sacrifice his son, his loved son, Isaac. And as Abraham and Isaac go, Isaac is a smart young man, and he notices there's no lamb for the sacrifice. And he says, Father, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And what does Abraham say? Essentially, he says, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. So I... so. That's a good little story. Go home and read that one after you read the story of Paul and Acts. But since providence is one of those big brain ideas in Christianity, I thought I'd steal a definition from Alistair Begg. Providence is the continued exercise of divine sovereignty, God is sovereign, whereby God preserves all his creation and its creatures, including us. Where God is operative or active in all that comes to pass in the world. And God directs all things to their proper end which is his will and his glory. So now we can do the next slide. The contemporary example of providence, some of you watched this over Christmas, I highly recommend it. But let's look back at Paul. Was it coincidence that he was imprisoned in Rome? Of course not. Was it coincidence that he was in prison where he could preach to others around him, including the emperor's palace guard? No coincidence. Was it coincidence that while people that he trusted were stabbing him in the back, the gospel was being preached? No coincidence. You see how what he mentions in this passage was all God's providence. God preserved Paul's life. God actively made it come to pass that he would be preaching in Rome. God directed it so that the people close to the highest earthly power at the time were telling the truth about the greatest power in the universe. His providence even ensured that those who were trying to hurt Paul with their words were still spreading the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So all of this was done to God's glory. And so Paul, as he says in in verse 18, rejoiced. So here we are, it's New Year's Day. Let's do uh, what many people do on New Year's Day. Let's take a little look back at 2022 and maybe a little look forward at 2023. Think back on your past year. Where did you see God's providence in your life? Did you see it in a coincidental meeting with someone that allowed you to show Jesus' love to them? Or was there a word spoken to you by a friend or a podcast or a book that gave you new insight into God's love for you? Did God reveal how he had worked in your life in the past and he was now showing you how that moment worked for his glory in the future? Was it an answered prayer? 
Was it a prayer answered in a way that you would rather it not have been? Was there a hard time this year? A time when, like Paul, you were in circumstances that were not the way you wanted or hoped? Did God allow in his providence strife, pain, suffering? Just like Paul and just like Jesus. In all of these situations in 2022, for good or for ill, God makes it very abundantly clear in his word that his providence is at work. So let's look at 2023. Maybe you're looking ahead to 2023 because 2022 left a lot to be desired. Recall that we're promised in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given or provided everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Christ Jesus. So in 2023, what will you pray for in his will? Will you look more closely to God's word to help you see and know his providence? Will you seek out a godly friend or mentor, someone to walk with you through the year, someone who will help you understand God's providence in your life? Will you look about in those hard moments, because there will be hard moments, and say with Abraham, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Now, when you see his providence in in your life, there are many ways we can respond. One of the most common ones in scripture is thankfulness. Go to any psalm, well, most psalms, most psalms, and you'll see that God's people are to be thankful when we view the good things and care he's provided to us. You can pick a random spot in psalms or in many of the other scriptures, and you'll see examples of thankfulness. And for those of you who have a New Year's resolution to be more thankful, look for God's providence. As you see his providence in your life, I promise you, you'll be a more thankful person. Or perhaps your response will be fear and trembling. Some of the things God brings in his providence will cause us to fall on our knees before him. Look at Paul and his terrible sufferings. Can we always expect to avoid such things? I don't think so. And lastly, joy. This is probably the most common one in scripture. Remember Nehemiah chapter eight, verses 20, or verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And what could possibly cause us to be more joyful than to know God is moving and caring and providing for us in his will. And as Paul says at the end of this passage, and because of this, I rejoice. So most importantly, remember, that's the greatest act of God's providence is Jesus Christ himself. I think it's Paul's view of God's providence and work around him that's, that he uh, gives us one of those most commonly memorized verses in Philippians, chapter four, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So next time you marvel at an amazing coincidence in your life, remember, it's not coincidence, it's providence. Will you pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your providence. Thank you that you love and care for this world so much that you gave your son to reconcile us to you. Grant that we can see your care, your love, your will, your providence at work around us and in us. And when we see it, please give us a spirit of humble gratitude and joy. We ask this in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen.